Hello and welcome to Non-Breaking Space, which you can find online at nonbreakingspace.tv. Non-Breaking Space is a show where we'll seek out the best, brightest, and smartest people on the web and talk to them about how and why they do what they do. Your hosts are Christopher Schmidt and Dave McFarlane, two web designers, authors, and trainers who have a passion for sharing knowledge about the web. I'm Chris from Canada, a web designer and podcaster. Christopher and Dave have been invited along to help push the record button and keep everyone on track here. Our guest for this episode is Greg Story. Greg is the president of Happy Cog, an industry-leading diverse group of problem-solving superstars united under the common goal of making the web a better place to think, work, and play. Greg writes on his own blog at airbagindustries.com, as well as Happy Cog's Cognition, about business practices, design, and the intersection of the two in the real and digital world. So without further ado, I'll turn it over to Christopher and Dave and their conversation with Greg. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, Well, today, uh, it's kind of special, is our... uh we have a filling in for Dave is actually uh, Gene Crawford of Period 3 and I'm at Style. Hey, hey, Gene, how's it going? Hey, man, it's going great today. How about oh, yeah, you? Cool. Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah. Uh, just, have, you, have you recovered sorry. from In Control any? Oh, yeah. So like, so when we're covering this, this is a week after the In Control Orlando conference in February. And so uh, uh, I have not really recovered that much <laughs> from, from, from doing it. It's, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a show that, that we produce and, and host and everything like that. And, uh Every year, and uh, so uh, it's kind of a big blur for two days after months of planning <laughs> and preparations. And so, and actually, I was actually going over some of the notes I took during it. And uh, one one of the cool things was uh, Chris Coyer's uh, presentation, mm-hmm. which uh, he's just like uh, dynamite on stage. He just, you know, he just yeah, uh, he, he's he just, he's probably the single best speaker I've ever seen ever. Honestly, <laughs> he's just very talented. Yeah, why would you say that he's uh, he's the best that you've seen? Oh man, he he's just a natural uh, entertainer and a natural speaker, mm-hmm. and you know he he runs uh, his site CSS Tricks, and uh, mm-hmm. it, you know it, you you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably gone to his site, or if you've ever Googled needing any help with CSS, you've come across his site. But I mean, the guy just he knows his stuff, but he's just so funny and so fun to be around, and he just projects that mm-hmm. uh, while he's while he's talking. And I've never seen anybody quite able to do that like he does yeah he's very down to earth which is pretty awesome too so yeah and uh and one of the cool things is about uh our guest today he's also very down to earth and um pretty much everyone i've ever met at uh, at the studio happy cock studios is also down to earth but also just very knowledgeable about what what they do in their craft and and they love their craft and so uh so let's welcome to uh to the stage i guess you will uh greg story from happy cock Hey guys! Hey, hey man, how, how's it going? It's going good. Yeah, it's, right. it's great to meet you, Greg. I've been uh, following uh, your your site uh, before you, I guess, teamed up with Happy Cog for a while now, and I've been wanting to talk to you. Well, that's cool. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Well, let's just get started. Like, like you know, how did you get involved with with the web and and doing that? Like, like, like Gene, I've been following you for a long time, and I saw that you uh, you know did your own blog and everything like that. But how did you get to you know get, get started to, to, yeah get, get started with the web like what brought you to the web i was uh, uh what brought me to the web was that it it hit at the time this is back in 1984 um even back then with even the lack of of tables uh yeah. the the web hit every every little uh thing i, I ever wanted to do everything that i, I love uh, I was in college at the time studying uh, advertising and, and journalism, 
And uh, my path was to go on to be a graphic designer, which meant that I would be in front of a, a Mac SE 30, um, <laughs> probably using all this page maker and, and uh, trying to craft print ads and, and posters and, and whatnot. And that's, you know, I, I loved desktop publishing. I, I loved using the Mac. Um, you know, everything about that was going good. And then the web came along and, and it's like, wait a second, this is, this is everything that I love and uh, interaction with people, um, you know, on, online, which is, uh, had been a long time hobby. Um, I remember being, uh, being in elementary school and a friend of mine set up a BBS on his Apple II and uh, it only had one modem, so you could only have one person calling in, you know, at a time. But the cool part, you know, what was really cool is if you happened to be on the computer, you know, which was acting like the, the bulletin board, and if someone called in at that time, you could interact with them you know, over text chat. Um, and, uh, you know, ever since then, that, that interacting with people over, uh, over computers has, has always been a, a nerd you know, big geek out thing for me. And so when the web came around in, in 94, because that's when it really started to, to start getting out of academia, you know, it definitely had its roots, but that's when Wired Magazine started publishing, uh, what was it, every other month or it was quarterly, then it went six months, uh, six issues a month. And, you know, it really started to gain traction. And that was, you know, this is a, a platform for publishing, for interacting and design. And, and it's all happening at once. Um, that's that's what really got me involved. So funny enough, though, my first um, my first uh, kind of project for the web actually had nothing to do with with making a website. Um, I was asked by the Ad Federation of Alaska, um, which is a, a small but still powerful group of, of advertising agencies that reside in Alaska and Hawaii. Um, I was asked to introduce the internet to all the CEOs, all the executives in advertising. Oof. And so I put together this presentation that just like, you know, here's email, here's, here's how it works, here's what it does, huh. here's, here's the web. And for a lot of those guys, it was the first time they had ever seen the internet. And this was back when uh, there seemed to be kind of this, this I don't want to call it battle, but you had, there was going to be the 500 channel cable box yeah. Because HDTV had the spectrum of broadcasting anything, we were going to have all these sub sub genre topic channels, and and you know there was a lot of discussion of how do we do this? Like you know how do we even reach those audiences? What's advertising going to look like? You know there's just a lot of hubbub, and then you had the web, and and which kind of further. Uh, uh, created caused some potential problems in, in the, the discourse of, okay, well then what's the internet and, and how is that going to work with 500 channel cable? And, you know, is there a competition? Like, do you have one or the other uh, or a hybrid? And, and so that's when the broadcasters and a lot of the advertisers realized they knew nothing about the internet. And, and I, I took them on a tour. Uh, hmm. My actual first website uh, and, and I played the role, didn't know it yet, but I, I played the role of information architect and designer. Uh, my first website was for a pro-ANWR, uh, I should say a pro-drilling uh, lobby group for <laughs> An ANWR. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Alaskans 
uh, you know, have this is like a touchy subject, but a lot of Alaskans are are all for it, um, and uh, not even thinking about politics at the time. Uh, I got into that project because a former lieutenant governor uh, of Alaska uh, came to me and said, "I've I've heard you know the internet. I've heard you know design. Do you want to work on this project with me?" And so the funny thing was, we built that website just built what we thought it should be. There was no, there's no stakeholder interviews. There was no talking to, we didn't even have a client. Um, right. This, this guy's idea was we're going to build a website and then I'm going to go shop it around to all my big oil buddies and we'll go sell it that way. <laughs> it was like the most, it was very bass backwards, you know, of, of and very <laughs> counter intuitive to everything I wanted to do. But it was also, you know, when you get this really weird chance of, Working yeah. with a, a former lieutenant governor, um, and and to do this, so that was my my first project was was uh, working on on that website. How did you parlay something like that into um, starting up Airbag? Uh, that's a good question. So after that experience, um, I started doing some consulting. You know, so I, I um, eventually took a class in two thousand two thousand in in <laughs> I want to say the. The spring, no, the fall of, of 95, mm-hmm. um, they finally had a class on HTML. And uh, I, I took that as part of, you know, graduating college. And um, so taught myself HTML, uh, taught myself Photoshop 3. Not nice. CS3, Photoshop nice. 3. Right. Cool. And uh, it was all 2.5 at the time. So, yeah, yeah. And, and what was, I mean, Photoshop 3, you couldn't, if you... Um, type something out. If you set text, yeah. you could not go back and edit it. If so, if you made a mistake, you had to create a new text layer and, and basically retype everything. There was no, you couldn't, uh, you know, change the the shape of the box and, you know, it was, it was very crazy, very manual. But um, funny thing is, I still use Photoshop a lot like that today. You know, even though I've got all these different tools and whatnot, I still, you know, my brain works like Photoshop three. Anyway. Uh, so I started doing consulting and started doing websites for everything from the local uh, comic book shop to uh, local politicians, uh, non-government organizations. Just started doing websites on the side. And uh, then at the time, uh, when I moved to Southern California, that's when blogs started coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had uh, movable type uh, uh, was in, in beta, I remember. And, and signing up for that that program because unlike Blogger, Movable Type had comments, and right. uh, which was something I thought that that the blog kind of tied everything about the web, going all the way back to BBSs about this idea of I can put something out on the web and and put it out there in a way that that you know gets responses or, or hopefully starts conversations, and you can do that now if you've got comments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you can actually relate that discussion back to the original topic or the original blog post. Uh, so that's kind of airbag got started as my kind of deciding, okay, it's time to start screwing around with, with a couple different blogger accounts. Um, I really wanted to try to, to improve my writing and I really wanted to just be creative, you know, to, 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 have a site that I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to get approval from anybody, and that's kind of what what born Airbag Industries. So, so mm. when you talk about improving your writing, like where where that drive come from? 
Um, honestly, it came from listening to Daniel Shore and the Cowboy Poet and the Sports Curmudgeon, listening to those uh, essays on NPR as I was driving into into work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in the morning, I would listen to these guys and say, "Man, I I don't want to talk like they do. I want to write like they do." You know, because it's it's recorded radio, and so of course there, there's I'm sure there's some ad lib, but there has to be a certain amount of thought that goes into the prose behind each of those essays. And I thought I would, you know, as as I as I grow and and as I learn, I would like to be able to to write and to sound as eloquent and as as witty as they do. And and so that led to uh, starting up airbag. It did. Um, <clears throat> Started airbag, and at that time, you know, it was that to me was when the internet, you know, so you had the frontier days of, uh, I don't know if you call them frontier days, really. It was more of like uh, the, the cells were dividing, and you know, animals were kind of coming out of the primordial goo back in '90s, <laughs> right? To me, the frontier days were really around uh, 2000 to about 2004 uh, when. The commercial interests had had they were still there, but you didn't have this. Hey, if I put a domain up, I'll make a, a billion dollars. Attitude, you know. So all of, all of those guys were were gone for the most part, and what you had left was, again, what kind of reminded me of of the old bulletin board days was people who wanted to be online because they loved being online. You know, they they were reading blogs because they they loved that format and they loved engaging with people. And uh, that's that's what really kind of drove uh, you know my wanting to be a part of that community for one, and and uh, also just to have have my own space, my, my own uh, my own place uh, online. And how, like, in, what what's your reaction now? Like, what, like thinking about it, like you know, I think also you said like I read in an interview somewhere that you wanted the airbag to not look like every other blog as well. Was it was that initially like initial design? The kind yeah. of design that you have now was like the was that the initial design or? No, or? the initial design. I I will try to go dig that up. The original design was um, actually based a lot off of Menetrot's blog, um, uh, Daylight and a Dollar Short. Oh yeah, and right. uh, mm. yeah, remember that? Yeah. Um, Minute is uh, a, a wonderful designer. I think. Uh, I don't get to see a lot of her work these days, but I'm sure she's she's you know progressed and, and is even a, more of a fantastic designer than she was. But back in the day, the format of of kind of how she was doing things really appealed to me, and so uh, I, uh, I I took that as inspiration for the the early layout, and um, then I kind of had my own own style, you know, in terms of applying that to the graphic design of, of the site. The look you see now was, was my frustration with how I thought a lot of people had, um, you know, and this is, this was going now to 2004. So blogs had been around for about two or three years. Um, and I felt a lot of people were just kind of, and this is okay now in hindsight, but at the time it really bugged me, uh, that the people had just kind of stopped playing with the format, stopped trying to kind of come up with, with new ways or, or yeah, new ways to kind of, to skin this type of site, to, to, uh, create that experience. And so I, I played a lot with how do you, how can design live in a publication in, in a way that is not, 
here's my header and here's my footer and here's my sidebar. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just, just try to not so much come up with something new for the sake of coming up with something new, but I wanted to challenge myself of, of playing around with the space. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, the funny, here's the funny thing is, um, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas now. Uh, that design, the airbag that you see now, that was actually created in Texas in, uh, in Horseshoe Bay, uh, which is not far outside of Austin. Uh, and it was done uh, during the break between Christmas and New Year's. Um, and I want to say that was done in, yeah, that would be done in 2003 because I published in 2004. So there's, that's all to say there's a lot of history with, with me and Airbag in, in Texas. Wow. Well, you, you, uh, you know, we're talking about the design, but, uh, you know, you, and your design is awesome. But what was drawn me into airbag over the years is, is your writing. Um, one of the, one of the things you said, uh, we have some show notes here, but one of the things that you've said in a past interview is that, uh, something that bugs you is when people focus on that design more than what it reads like, what your content is like, mm-hmm. how do you sort of just kind of deal with both at the same time? Well, it's interesting because there, there was that, you know, one thing that was bugging me kind of led to the design, right? Which was, mm-hmm. hey, let's see how you can bust the format out. And then, and then what I started to see personally were a lot of young designers who were using, basically using their blog as, as a playground for design. You know? right. So, so you'd go there and there would be, there'd be a completely new design before there was ever a new blog post. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, you know, I guess to some extent, okay, but I didn't see that there was anything really productive, you know, going on. It was more of like, I guess, just being bored. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, writing is, I guess, just like design, but for, I think for a lot of people, writing is a craft that you continue, have to continue to evolve. You have to continue improving on. Even now, I, I'm not happy with, with, uh, some of my writing style, uh, or even lack thereof. Uh, but that, that comes over time that comes through, through practice. Um, and I think too, just, uh, as if I'm trying to recall that quote, um, but something that was also bugging me too, uh, was that, that a lot of blogs were just repurposing other people's content. And I don't mean, uh, that's totally changed now. Uh, blogs (laughs) do not, Cite no. other blogs whatsoever. Where they just no, no, not at yeah, all. No, no that's, and they, that's, you can't just click a button to reblog someone's entire post either. Yeah, that that no. doesn't exist. No, no I mean it's it's definitely gotten worse. But at the time, I, I saw a lot of people that were just saying, "Hey, I uh, came across a blog post today. Here's here's either the entire blog post or here's here's a big chunk of it. You know, with just um, I don't know some kind of quick statement at the end or it just." It seemed like if you're going to add to the community that everybody should be writing and, and trying to to focus on that just as much as they were the design. I'm, I'm interested a lot in uh, how you got involved with Happy Cog, how you took Airbag and or, or how that formed. How, t- tell us a little bit about how you got involved that way. Well, so for the sake of your listeners who maybe don't have that, that linear path, um, in 2005, I started my own company, and uh, it was actually Jeffrey Zeldman. Uh, I, through a phone conversation with him, when I, when I told him what I was doing, I was going out on my own. He said, well, you have to call it airbag. Everybody knows who <laughs> airbag. 
And at the time, he said, you know, my greatest mistake was I called my company Happy Cog, and everybody knows Jeffrey Zeldman, but, but you know, not as many people know about Happy Cog. Right. And so, you know, from his experience, I, I uh, you know, wasn't going to argue with that wisdom. And uh, right. so I, I don't want to say I converted Airbag from a blog into a company, but it was mostly that I, I took that name and, and applied it to the company. Right. Uh, so, so, so you sort of, like, from what I remember, you pretty much, like, you still have the blog, you're, you're writing front and center for Airbag, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but but then no, you yeah, like right. but then you but then you attach your portfolio and you know call for clients on top of that. Like that was you have to, you have to dig deeper uh, than a normal like agency mm-hmm. uh, website uh, for that. And I thought that was kind of it's it's very unique, you know, in, in terms of uh, having a web design shop website be that way. And um, I think it felt like is it felt good that you stuck to your core uh, for airbag was and that, uh, and you know, so people just kind of like, it's almost like a filtering mechanism where people came to your website, uh, saw the great content, saw the great design and then said like, Oh wow. Like, uh, I probably want to work with this guy, uh, down mm-hmm. the road. So, so I, I, I will be free to admit that that, <clears throat> that was intentional and it wasn't intentional. I would love to say, uh, that's exactly it. You know, it was done on purpose <laughs> to to filter out uh, you know, people that we don't want to work with. But honestly, um, and I don't think I've ever talked much about this, but as much as Jeffrey was right about the you know using that name because that's that's how we were known. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the funny thing is, uh, more people know me as Airbag than they know Greg's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and for years at South by, I used to walk around and. I had airbag stickers created and I would put the airbag sticker over top of my name in, yeah. in my badge because nobody knew my name. Everybody knew that, that logo, that square mm-hmm. red box with the A. And um, anyway, one, one of the consequences you know, for, for doing that, for having a, the company adopt the airbag name was that there, there was a long time struggle, uh, this very deep conflict within me of if I lose the blog, I, I lose my voice and I lose my identity. Uh-huh. And uh, that, that was something that, uh, you know, to some extent I still struggle with today of, of you know, feeling that if, if we switched, like what, well, what happens to me? Because people don't know Greg's story, they know airbag, right? Nice. So I, again, I'd like to say that that was all very clever and well thought <laughs> out. That was really more of, of one guy's struggle of, of trying to adapt and, and build a business while also trying not to lose the identity that allowed me to do that in the first place. You know, what, it was very weird struggle. What type of clients were you getting uh, both, I guess, through the website, you know, being called airbag and then versus let's say word of mouth type type clients. How did, how did that yeah. balance out for you? Um, a lot of the work was, was through word of mouth okay. and, and even, you know, we would, just like it is now, we, we work with one client and they move on or they, mm-hmm. they get contacted by somebody who's like, hey, we need a website, know anybody. And, um, you know, that's kind of word got out. But it was, you know, I don't want to discount that Airbag as a blog did draw people. You know, I, I did have clients that said, you know, I've been reading your blog for years. You know, this mm-hmm. is so exciting to, to get a chance to work with you. Mm-hmm. And that, that further was like, well, crap, what do I do with this? Um, you know, and, and I, I honestly, I didn't have not enough time went by that I that I found that answer. You know, it was kind of like I had to 
go away and think. But by the time that that really started to to uh, play with that is when I decided to uh, merge with with Happy Cog. Yeah. So uh, how does how does that work with Happy Cog? Do you do you run into instances where your let's say your legacy sort of precedes the work? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So there's times um, there's times where we'll we'll be working with clients and. Sometimes up front, you know, when I'm introduced to a new client, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, how are you doing? You know, an airbag comes up. There's other times where it's not till we we're at the project kickoff that someone will kind of take me aside or, you know, at dinner that night or something say, hey, I'm a huge fan, been reading you for years, you know, <laughs> something like that. Right. Um, but, yeah, airbag is still definitely, I don't know why I say it's, it's a huge draw, but it's definitely part of uh, you know part of the, the roll up in, into Happy Cog. Well, how did that how did that work out for you? How did how are you liking that merger with Happy Cog? How did that come about? So it came about um, because Greg Hoy, who's the president of the Philly Philadelphia office, um, he and I even as um, competitors, even when I was there back and, and he was Happy yeah. Cog Philly, we would talk. Often, not every day, not every week, but we would talk often enough just to see, like, how are you doing? How are things? Um, you know, what, how are your clients? Just kind of keep in touch. Right. Um, the one thing I really love about the sphere of of influence that we're in here is even we may be the most fiercest competitors, but um, we're still friendly to each other. We'll still, you know, buy each other a beer and and talk shop. And I think to our credit. Uh, be pretty candid, you know, and mm-hmm. there's, there's not, there's, there's, I don't want to call them trade secrets, but there's, there's some things that just are kind of awkward to share and talk about, you know, but, but a lot of it is like, what do you want to know? You know, let's, let's talk. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of collaboration. I shouldn't say collaboration. There's just a lot of sharing. Right. Anyway, Greg and I developed a, a relationship and a rapport. And obviously I've known Zeldman for a very long time. He was the guy who, who really helped prod me to to move me into starting my own shop. You know, so so this it was kind of interesting to kind of see this kind of come a little bit full circle here. Um, but it is you know this has been great. Us being becoming Happy Cog um, has been I think a really good business decision. It's been a a really great learning experience. But, it hasn't but- been. All rainbows and puppy dogs, you know. That's, <laughs> oh man, no unicorns either. But, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, there's also another connection with Austin and Happy Cog and and, and Airbag. Is that uh, didn't the decision or the agreement come during South by Southwest? You're at, right. At yeah. Austin. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, in 2009, March of 2009. Um, Jeffrey said, uh, "Greg and I'd like to talk to you." And so we arranged a meeting at the concierge uh, floor of the Hilton Hotel. Um, the concierge floor has this um, uh, kind of like a, uh, what do you call it, a lounge uh, that people on those floors are allowed to use um, for whatever purposes. And uh, it's a rather large room with fantastic windows that face the south and, and they have beverages available to you 24-7. Anyway, um, <laughs> we... Uh, we had our meeting there, our, our discussion. I think it was a two-hour talk and, and basically said this is kind of what we're thinking and, you know, we're, we get along really well. We're, we, we play together really well and that's true. Airbag and Hapcog always 
kind of stuck together at South by or wherever we were. And they said that they had an idea for expanding the happy Cog brand out West. And they thought that the best way to do that was to merge with airbag. Mm. Um, so that's, uh, you're right. Uh, that's, that's exactly, <laughs> there's a lot of ties with airbag, happy Cog and Austin. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's a, that was a good moment. So you just, you just moved to Austin from where, where you were before. We were in the Bay Area for a couple of yeah. years. And um, uh, Austin has always been a, a place that I felt was, would be a good place to have a business. Um, you know, kind of keeping tabs on what was going here in this, I won't call it this market, just this city. Um, I, don't, I would love to do work in the city, but I don't know. Uh, you know, we don't have any, any huge plans or, or what not to go after local work. But I just felt it was a really good, great place where you got a lot, the best of a lot of worlds. And at the same time, because of the, uh, the cost of living and the weather, uh, you know, just it made a good place to foster a company, especially a growing company. Right. Yeah, I, I moved here a couple of years ago, and and I thought like when I went to South by like in the early two thousands, I was like, I, I always thought like I'm only here for a few days, but I wondered what it would be like to just live here uh, mm-hmm. when it's not crazy with uh, <laughs> with uh, with geeks on spring break, and uh, and uh, and now that I'm here, it's just. It's it's really just a nice. Uh, there's so much uh, talent here mm-hmm. and from from our industry. There's so much uh, cross pollination of other uh, industries as well, and the weather is great. Yeah, um, there's still a little bit of a startup atmosphere, which is all, which I think is always great to have here. Uh, people are still like still motivated, but uh, I think they take themselves less seriously uh, than other cities, which is, I find very refreshing and welcoming. yeah that's so, a good and, thing yeah and uh but people are still earnest and working hard and, and doing a great job and and i feel like it's a just a really nice place to be if uh if, if you want to work in working in the industry so yeah, uh, and it's, and, there's a lot sorry. of good people here like you know if you've been to we've we've hosted a couple or i should say sponsored a couple of dribble meetups now and um you know the the, the designers and the developers that that come out for that Mm-hmm. Um, they're generally people you want to hang out with. You know, mm-hmm. they're, the first words out of their mouth aren't about, uh, I don't know, the, the startup that they're in and, and yeah. who you work for. It's, it's not um, – I've been to events in other cities that just feel like you're, you're constantly being scanned for your worth. Mm-hmm. You know, not what you know, not – you know, let's not talk about last night's episode of Downton Abbey. It's you know, who you work <laughs> for, what do you do? And, you know, how can I leverage you mm-hmm. to make gains for myself or, or my startup or something like that? Right. And, um, you know, I think, too, that there's a lot of people who want to live in a, a tech-heavy space, um, you know, with a lot of great people, a lot of, of really great events and whatnot going on, but they don't want to move to the coast. Right. Um, you know, if you take a look at communication arts, um, and I think print magazine. Maybe not CA as much anymore, but both of them used to do these uh, design showcases mm-hmm. for the middle of the country. You know, they would specifically say, "Here's what's going on in Minnesota and in Iowa and in Ohio, Michigan, uh, you know, even Indiana." You know, and they would showcase, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Austin, or, or Texas. 
they'd go out of their way to say, like, this is what's happening in the middle of the country. And if you if you study design enough, you saw that's like, wait a second, not only is there just as good a design going on, but um, I'd say that in a lot of ways, the the type of design, like the style, the aesthetic and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, it always appealed to me much, much more than anything that was happening on, on the, the coasts. I mm-hmm. think that, that that still continues to this day. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I always went to the. Uh, I was part of the AIGA uh, board in Cincinnati, actually, when I lived there, and went to the uh, AIGA, uh, I guess, national retreat that they they would have, mm-hmm. and there'd be showcases of everyone's talent, like everyone's like show pieces that they did, you know, from T-shirts to print pieces to whatever. I mean, and you would just get surprised by like one, like how big AIGA is, one like they're just the reach of how many cities they're they're in, but just just the talent that they put into every piece and and just the outrageous stuff that's that part of the membership and membership in AIGA are like professionals working, you know, in design. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just you no know, there's design everywhere, not just on the on the coast. So but, yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So but uh but uh and you know and uh I think it's uh speaks well because of of Habicog uh wanting to uh you know Merge with with airbag because I've always been a big fan of the the, the airbag work that you guys did and like one of them was uh, when you guys had a chance to do the Sundance uh, Festival website yes and that was like probably like when I saw that that was just an awesome awesome website and that was like before Ping twenty four that was before like mm-hmm. CSS three and um, I wish I had a sample of it right now but uh, it was just a uh, just an awesome website and and a lot of the work that you guys did is just just phenomenal. Uh, and highly well executed uh, websites out there, so I think it makes perfect sense that uh, Happy Cog would be interested in uh, merging with with uh, with you guys. So, and well, that's um, just it. you know, we had I'd say that just as like I said, was saying, you know, just as we would play together really well, mm-hmm. I think we we had expectations of of not so say each other, but ourselves of not trying to. I think it's you don't want to always try to outdo yourself every other project right but i think along the way where you can improve the quality and improve the execution and improve um the success you know you ought to take that that foot forward and and just make sure that you you don't slide back mm-hmm. and um that was something that uh again we were very compatible with uh with happy Gun. okay so so my my question now is like so so you you, you have these three I guess interagencies. You have a Philly, you have New York, and then mm-hmm. Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys still compete with each other, or do you guys on projects, or do you, no. or do you, or do you just is this just happy cog and you and you go go out and? It's a good question. So um, we don't compete against each other uh, from the very start. It has been uh, you know if if we if we get a project because it comes in through our name, you know then then. We go ahead and, and uh, take on that lead and, and run with it. Otherwise, we we um, share the kind of the channel or the the pipeline of, of leads that come in just through Happy Cog, and we've played around with it a, a couple of different ways to handle that. And it, a lot of times, it's been uh, you know whatever studio needs work. Uh, that's that's one way we would determine kind of where a lead goes and or region. You know, it doesn't make sense for us to say uh, take lead or completely flip a site that's in Philadelphia. That would just that'd be dumb. Right. Um, but 
you know, region can, can play into that and also just interest. Um, one of the interesting uh, kind of things about our, our family is that there's, there's a pretty diverse um, uh, range of interests uh, but there's definitely, you know, there are some differences between the shops in terms of like what what project would would motivate them or or you know they would just die to have. Um, and I don't want to say that that splits us; it's not a divide. But there's so it's all to say if a project comes in, like we we uh, just worked on one with a restaurant group, and um, that had interest for for both com- you know companies or I should say both offices in Philadelphia and Austin. Um, but it, it definitely would be a, a Philadelphia-centered effort. Um, but then both offices would work together on that project. Okay. And we're also trying to pitch, uh, there are some projects where just for the sheer size and or our desire to work together more, collaborate more, um, okay. we've started now uh, pitching jobs with the combined effort between both offices. You, you find yourself in situations where you're actually actively um, chasing down a client? Uh, what do you mean? Like, like you use the word pitch, um, you know, and I do a lot oh, yeah. of work through agencies and they're constantly pitching as opposed mm-hmm. to responding, you know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I guess here that word would be confusing. No, we don't, we're not out pitching. We're, we are responding. Um, we do have, yeah, so a lot of, I should say most of the work that we get is people coming to us saying, you know, we really want to work with you. Right. Um, and and that's, that's what I would assume. That's why I asked them. Yeah. Um, but we are interested in, in seeing like what would happen if Happy Cog starts going out and pitching work. You know, like yeah. what, what would that look like and, and what would this what would this success be? But um, for right now, um, pretty much every, everything we do is, is a response. And sometimes we get gigs because we'll reach out and tell people, hey, we could do a better job with your website. Right. You know, or, or we'll just mention a, you know, just let you know that these things are broken um, right. or something like that. That's more of like a, a hey, um, I'm on the web at night and really <laughs> at, at a website of a place I really like. Or, you know, I just find all these problems and then we reach out and, and uh, just the most for the, for the, you know, we reach out and say those things to be friendly and to be helpful. Right. Sometimes that turns into a lead. Other times it's like, hey, thanks, great. You know, and you never hear, right, hear anything right. back. Right. Yeah, but that's like a lot better than just like, you know, the cold call or, or anything like that, just, you know, being helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. so how, much, how much of the business are you uh, involved in as far as uh, responding to those prospects versus um, sort of in the trenches, sort of playing a role of creative director? Well, I don't. Um, I I I hung out my creative director hat um, a while ago mm-hmm. um, when I used to work with Ethan uh, Marcotte, and he kind of helped serve that that role. And we would work together in that role, but then when I hired Kevin Sharon, um, he is the creative director for for my office, mm-hmm. and um, you know I get to look over shoulders from time to time, but. I really try to be mindful of of not kind of stepping over top of anyone's either role or or the work that they've done. Um, right. Right now, my my focus is on uh, running the business, and I'm very much involved in the uh, in the sales process. Um, but that's uh, you know that's that continues to evolve. 
Um, oh yeah. And, uh, but it's, I don't, I don't wear eight hats anymore. And that's, that's, <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you, you explained that, uh, for people who might be listening to this, I'm, I'm really interested in that process between um, you being a, an ex-creative director type um, mm-hmm. who's now involved in, you know, working with a new client, getting, getting them sort of, I mean, you have to sort of get them amped up and find out what they want. And, you know, you take a big part in that to t- then turn that over to the creative director to sort of run with it. How do you sort of manage that and how does that work out for you? Well, there's, so there's a lot of trust, you know, you, there has to be, um, if if I was always second guessing what Kevin Sharon and and uh, the designers like Stephen and, and Drew, if and even on the other side in Philly, um, you know, if I was, was trying to step in and, and second guess Chris Cashteller, that that just doesn't work. That doesn't it it doesn't produce your best work. It doesn't uh, it doesn't produce a great work environment. Um, you know, it's it's it it can turn hostile. And uh, right. So it's it as a designer. Um, you know that that is my skill set primarily is as a, a designer as as a creative person. Mm-hmm. It's it's a a choice I think you have to make, and then you got to stick with it. You know, otherwise, you'll never be able to to really get away from from that role. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, you know, running a, a company, um, you know, with combined uh, combined uh, employees of, of what twenty five to twenty eight now, mm-hmm. um, you can't do both. Um, otherwise each effort is just watered down is just, it's bottlenecked. And so uh, it's, it's kind of like when I moved from Alaska to California, um, I had to tell myself that there was going to be some things about moving from, you know, small, relatively small town to LA, that there was just some things I couldn't do anything about. (laughs) You know, so like traffic is one of them. I just had to to say to myself, if I'm going to do this, I have to uh, just know that there's going to be some days that traffic is going to be absolutely insane and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. So there's no reason to, to try. Right. And I think it's the same thing of as you grow a business and you choose what role you're going to play, you have to then resolve uh, yourself to the fact that, that, that you need to make that decision and move on. You can't keep coming back and second guessing what you've done because right. it just it, it destroys uh, destroys everything, you know, and, and uh, but it, and it's very hard to make a comeback from that. Right. Well, you, you say uh, twenty five or twenty eight people. Are you all uh, like in the three offices? Are they mostly in the three offices? Are you distributed like a, a hybrid of that? Well, we have um, we're a hybrid. So in New York and in, in, in Philadelphia, everybody's there in the office. For us, you know, when I started Airbag, um, I sought out people I wanted to work with in, in the beginning, which led to hiring Ryan Ireland in then North Carolina and Ethan Marcotte in, in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. And uh, as, as I saw that things were growing, um, I made a, an effort to try to hire as many local people as possible. But we still found ourselves needing to hire some people that weren't, uh, you know, near us. So for about a year and a half, we had a director of, of uh, UX uh, who was living and working in, in Chicago area. Um, now that we've moved to Austin, though, uh, there is definitely an emphasis and an interest in trying to get as many people over here as possible. 
Mm. Um, just because I think there comes a point where you can continue working virtually, but in client services, as you grow, it, it becomes almost impossible because of the collaboration and the type of collaboration that you need, especially when you're running a shop with, with you know, basically an org chart, a tiered system. You, you have to have people in the same room or at least the same building so that they can have those ad hoc discussions and which are just they, they tend to be more productive when you're when you're on site. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and you have to ensure that they're all friends and stuff, you know, outside of being in an office. And that's something that you can't really it just well, has to happen, I guess. You do. I mean, we I'd say that we get along, but there's not an emphasis on us all being friends. Um mm. I don't know that everybody in Happy Cog would consider everybody else in Happy Cog a friend. Okay. But um, but same time, there are several people who do really get along. They do hang out on the weekends. But overall, as a company, you know, we we do get along well enough and respect each other well enough that you know, happy hour is very much a Happy Cog activity. Okay. Um, you know, you, we don't have anybody who hates anybody, or we don't have. <laughs> Sure. We don't have any bad politics or, you know, there's, there's not people trying to undermine the other. Uh, right. There's a lot of respect within the company for each other. Um, but uh, I don't think it's important that everybody, especially in a small company, has to be friends. I think it's important and vital that everybody respect one another and what they're doing. That's a great differentiation. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So how, how did you, they would have to be if you could convince them all to rebuild the Happy Cog site in a week. Um, mm-hmm. How did you guys, uh, how did you guys come up with doing that? Well, trying to, to uh, you know, redesign, Greg Coy wrote about this and, and did a really good job, but you know, trying to, to redesign a website that's more than five years old has always been something we've all wanted to do, but um, you know, day jobs kind of got in the way and um, it just it became um, I don't want to call it an impossible task, but something that just kept getting put on the back burner because every time that we would go try to do this, we ran into problems with a you know communication or um, you know just not liking what was you know like the creative work that was going on or the direction or it just felt better to to keep hitting the pause button or in this case maybe the snooze button. <laughs> and instead of trying to force the issue, right? It, it was, uh, well, I believe the website was uh, somewhat of a detriment to our commercial success. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, causing us to, to lose work. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of kept going and trying, trying to improve what was there, but that was still frustrating. And so, uh, what, what, uh, sorry, but like, what would you say would be a negative of the old site that, that was, uh, that like why why wouldn't cause you to lose work? Or what, what what things would you wanted to have in it, or like what what need to be part of it? I think it's just that as you know, because of who we are, and we're very much involved in the conversation of of improving the web and and uh, technologies, especially when it comes to you know our, the bread and butter of of our our lineage, which is HTML and and CSS, you know. As, as the world and even our own client work is evolving into things like responsive design and um, you know, doing all the cool things that CSS3 uh, and HTML5 and, and JavaScript allows to do now, right. you look back and you're like, why are you still wearing, you know, why are you still rolling up your jeans and mm. you know, sporting a mullet, which is right. kind of what it, it, it was starting to feel like. You know? And it's mm. like, 
our own our own backyard or whatever analogy or, or metaphor you want to use. Mm-hmm. Our our own site was not reflecting what we were preaching and right. and saying clients really need to adhere to. Right. And so it just started to feel really awkward, you know, right. where you you sell um, a project that has a, a really fantastic responsive design, and then yet the website you're using to try to showcase that work is the I don't want to call it the exact opposite, but it's it's old, you know. Right. And I think that's that's kind of where where the negative was was coming from. Okay. Cool. Um, but anyway, so long story short, we we tried several times. To, to kind of get that effort launched and it just was becoming, I don't know, it wasn't becoming more difficult. It just proved to be difficult each time we tried to do it. So Greg Coy came to Austin and in uh, the middle of December and he and I were talking over plans for 2012 and the website came up and I remember saying, why can't we just get into a single room and bust this out in a week? You know, and, and I said, we don't, we need to really pare down and, and really consider what is it that we need to run the business? You know, so not what do we need to be a website showcase or, you know, the, the popular web design of the week or whatever that is. What do we, we have a business to run. What is our business need? Let's consider that. Okay. That's then our core, our foundation. Let's knock that out in a week and then continue to add to or to revise whatever, make better from here till, till the end, you know, right. till, till whatever. And it was, it was, uh, I don't want to call it, I guess it was a risk, you know, it was a risk in that we, we might not succeed. So um, we would have gone to all that effort, all that money, um, you know, because some of us went to Philadelphia and we stayed in hotels and, and uh, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was, it was something we had to agree to and, and agree to absorb the expense and also block out time, you know, so for that week, yeah. uh, we, you know, for the most part, nobody was doing client work, you know, one was really getting paid if you want to, you know, as it were. And um, so, you know, Greg said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, we got back from, from Christmas break. Actually before then we, kind of let people know that, that there was going to be a week in the new year that they were going to be working on something different. And then when we came back from Christmas break, that's when we said, here's what it is. And uh, then started that process of doing what we could to kind of help prepare uh, so that when we got to Philly and we got in that small room, um, we were hitting the ground running, you know, actually producing work. Okay, so, and I, I know you've you written about it and uh, about it and on the uh, cognition Mm-hmm. A blog for the Happy Cog website, and and uh, you said like you it wasn't going to be the uh, you know paraphrasing, but you know it wasn't the the end all be all of the website. You guys are still be working on it as you go on, but uh, I guess since you launched it and everything like that, do you feel like it's it was what you set out to do that you know you you paid the price, uh, you know that you paid you know the employees, the mm-hmm. hotel room, everything like that. Was was you think it's worth it? Uh, do you feel like it's you had that foundation now? Oh yeah, and and as I wrote in cognition, it's not just a foundation of of a website, and and even, but this is now kind of a new foundation of how um, I'd say that the shift of what we're doing has has um, refocused uh, to you know the, in in our case for our business, 
um, the website needs to support our sales effort. And so we really uh, went into this project with that lens. And, and so now, you know, we, we have, a, I'd say, a better purpose for, for having a website. Um, it was a chance for us to, as, as a, a unified group, collaborate very closely, like elbow to elbow closely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that, that uh, you know, the respect that we have for each other has just grown. Um, I'd say that, you know, there's um, a lot of good came from, from being able to work together and, and being forced to, to, to get something done in a week. Um, I'd say just as what we created is a fantastic start to what we need to represent ourselves, our work, and to not only support our sales effort, but I see, you know, eventually we still have cognition. We still have plans to even um, branch out and, and to grow those areas that are our are, are places where, where we interact with the community and hopefully the community interacts with us. Um, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, we did this all for money. It's, it's not <laughs> that. Because happy, that's not who Happy Cog is. Yeah. Um, but say just, you know, in terms of, well, wh- what does the website need to do for, for what we do? You know, you're, you're seeing the bare bones. Now you're going to see things like, well, what do we need to do to, to converse with, um, you know, our different audience types mm-hmm. and, and how can we, um, not talk to, but talk with those people. Right. Um, and, and how can we continue to be the resource that I think that we're, we're known for, for being? How can we even improve that? Mm. And so I'd say that's where you're going to see incremental changes, you know, over time, not just to the website, but things like um, this morning I was working on our, our email newsletter um, that I know of Happy Cubs never had one. And yeah. uh, it seems like such an obvious thing to have for a business that we're in, but right. we, we never did. So we're going to try it and, and see, you know, what happens. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I found it really interesting because like, you know, we, we started talking out about how, you know, you got involved with web based off that, that BBS, the whole like uh, talking one-on-one mm-hmm. with someone. And so now it's, it's still like core to what you want to reach out with, with Happy Cog and with the new update and like, actually get that platform um, or not platform, but I guess like the vehicle for, I don't know, whatever metaphor you want, but uh, to get that dialogue and communication started up again, and not started up again, but continued and easier to, to maintain. Yeah, well, you know, dialogue and, and uh, I don't want to say talking, conversing is, yeah. is definitely something I think a lot of us enjoy. You know, we, uh, that's I think part of why happy hour is such a, a, a happy thing for us is um, we love to have a beer and, and talk shop or whatever, talk sports, talk Downton Abbey, whatever it is. But <laughs> there is definitely, I'd say, a company-wide, um, for the most part, a company-wide uh, um, pleasure in, in you know, talking with others and sharing and learning. Um, that, that is very much the, the core of our culture. Cool. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to, to wrap up the interview. So, I think okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Sure. Uh, it was fun. I'd, I'd do it again. Thanks for having me. Cool. Awesome. How, can people, how can people reach out to you on the, on the Twitters and the web? And- um, on Twitter, I am um, at Brilliant Crank. Um, but if you go to Airbag Industries, which I am starting to uh, you know, update more and more often, 
um, you can you can find me there. You can also email me at story at happycog.com. Awesome. Well, good. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you. Our thanks to Greg Story for joining us on Non-Breaking Space. You can check out the show notes for this episode at nonbreakingspace.tv, where we'll have all the links discussed in this episode. We're also in the iTunes podcast listing, and we'd really appreciate if you'd subscribed and left a rating or review. It helps us spread the word about the Non-Breaking Space show. Be sure to watch for the next episode of Non-Breaking Space, where you'll be able to hear Brad Frost say, Future friendly. Future friendly.